Saturday night, 8.30, a little little after. We're a little closer this time than we were last <laughs> week to 8.30. It's a little bit. <laughs> Libertarian Moms bringing you Parenting Porcupines. This is Season 5, Episode 7, Mother May I. We're going to take on occupational licensing, specifically here in the state of South Carolina, but in general, just government foolishness. Welcome to the show. All right. Season five, episode seven, occupational licensing, um, cleverly titled Mother May I. Jessica, why did you call it Mother May I with occupational licensing? Get us started. Explain what this is um, and why people should be pissed about it. I called it Mother May I because, you know, you have to ask permission to do business in a lot of different areas. Um, so for those who aren't familiar with occupational licensing, this is a process you have to go through where you get a license from the government to perform a service, to do business in a certain um, line of work. There's a whole list that you can find on the labor licensing and regulation um, website, but it's, it's a pretty lengthy list and it, it's, it's stuff that you wouldn't even think of. Some of the things you are probably going to be like, mm, why? <laughs> but uh, so we wanted to talk about this, though, because there are three bills. So one has passed. One is in the Senate. It is out of committee. Um, and then there's another one that is in the House. It is still in committee, which is probably going to die there. Um, so we wanted to talk about these reforms that are that are being uh, looked at, that are being put forward and, you know, just talk about the importance of them and what they mean for us. Um, and then also what they mean for our efforts toward justice reform. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it, when we bring this down to first principles, <clears throat> what is this really about? <clears throat> I think this is about individuals owning their labor. Mm -hmm. And libertarians believe that in individuals own their own labor and have the right to work in the capacity that they're able and willing to work and can sell that labor for the rate that they believe is a fair and valuable rate. And so when we then get the government involved in this way where you're having to ask permission to mm -hmm. sell your labor, you're having to ask permission to perform these works, um, we're just in general, opposed to that. Uh, if you go out to parentingporcupines.com and check out the show notes, you'll see some links to some of these and some of these occupations that Jess was making mention of. So the first bill, as you mentioned, Jessica, the uh, SC Code of Laws, Section 40. So this is addressing the process for occupational licensing, and it's meant to uh, try to create a streamlined mechanism. Is that right? Um, where the state can protect the public yeah, that's <laughs> from what... each other. So, so section 40 of our, of our South Carolina code of laws, that's actually the whole section that addresses occupational licensing. Um, and yes, this is intended to protect the public um, because we need protecting from ourselves, apparently. And well, at a time, at, at one point in time, was that necessary? I mean, if you think about, you know, just a guy walking down the street offering to chop firewood for you, um, you'd be like, OK, cool. Right. And then maybe he'd cut down all your trees or stole them or something. I don't know. Um, was there a time where it was necessary to have some kind of legitimacy or credibility for occupations? 
I don't think so. And I don't think that there is an occupation that requires licensure that can't be certified by some other private mechanism, um, which I think we're going to talk about probably a little later, the professional organizations and things like that that certify. Um, but so the first bill, this is the one that passed. So this is passed and the governor signed it back in May and it went into effect immediately because um, I do want to hop right into these things. So this first one is House Bill 3605, and it's also called the Earn and Learn Act. Um, and this was a revision to, to the code that we previously referenced. And there is a link to that in the show notes, as well as a link to this specific bill and the other two we're going to discuss as well. Um, so this new bill, it addresses this in three separate ways. So it makes three changes to that code section 40. One, it tightens the process for the investigation. So if somebody makes a complaint against someone's license, uh, for instance, a contractor, if somebody has an issue with a contractor, they can make a complaint to the state um, against their license and there's an investigation and all of this stuff. Um, and so it allows for, I'm trying to remember exactly what it does because the, there's another bill, the other one of the other bills that's pending is very similar. Um, so I think what it does is it allows the person to continue working while they're under investigation. And I think it adds steps to the process for the state. So there's a little more visibility in the process. Um, so the second thing that this one does is prohibits the denial of a license to someone with certain prior criminal convictions. It doesn't say which ones. It, it just kind of gives that broad sweeping certain criminal convictions. Um, and of course, that's always an issue because it's like as decided by who? Bureaucrats? Because that's a good yep. idea. Let's Bureaucrat. just leave it up to their judgment. You know, yep, right. Um, and then the last thing it does is it allows for somebody who's met all of the licensure requirements and who is just waiting for the process to kind of work itself out. They can go ahead and start doing business while they're waiting for the completion of the process. But they have to have met all of the other criteria based on what it is that they are being licensed to do, because it's very different. So, like, if you're getting licensed to be a barber versus a contractor, the requirements are very different. So you have to meet the requirements of that specific license that you're applying for. And if you meet those requirements while you're waiting for the process to play itself out, bless you, Melissa, um, <laughs> you can go ahead and I think start doing business. So it seems like they're trying to remove some of these barriers to entry, but I don't necessarily buy it. I still think there's maybe too much government they're yeah, doing the here. bare minimum yeah. so they can say they're removing so the they barriers. can say they did it yeah they're not actually removing the barriers they're mm -hmm. making it two inches lower yeah yeah but now so the second bill which is the senate bill 165 and it's somewhat similar to the bill that's already passed um and what it does let's see i'm gonna pull up my notes So it does two things, the most important of which is it adds more definition to the 
criminal convictions piece of it. And so it it further clarifies that someone cannot be denied a license, an occupational licensing in one of these fields based on a prior criminal conviction, unless that criminal conviction is related to the occupation that they are being licensed to do. So if they were um, wanting to be a barber, I'm just going to use that as an example, I guess. And they had previously been convicted of, I don't know, whatever barbers can be convicted of. <laughs> what even is that? And you've been convicted of money laundering. Uh, yeah, that and might be a better example. <laughs> so is this yeah. about convictions directly related to the occupation? Yeah. Or yeah, are these yeah. about just convictions in general? No, convictions directly related to the occupation. So like if somebody was convicted of armed robbery, but now they're wanting to get their license to be a barber, they can't be denied a license to be a barber because they have a criminal record because they have a conviction for armed robbery. Or right. a firearms instructor. If yeah. That, I don't know if that's something you need a license for. I'm assuming it is because guns are bad yeah, and scary. I'm pretty sure you so. probably do. But so it it gives a little bit more of a, um, a clearer guide for what that is intended to do. Um, and, and the reason that's important is because two of the things we talk about when we talk about justice reform um, and more specifically reform of, of our prison system is the reentry of inmates after they leave the system and the reentry to society is very difficult for prisoners, especially prisoners who have been in jail for a really long time or in prison for a really long time. And two of the biggest contributors to high recidiv high recidivism rates is lack of housing and lack of employment. And so by allowing for, people who have been convicted of a crime to be able to, to apply for these licenses and get licensed for these jobs. It helps to ease that burden, right? Because if they can come out of prison and start a career, then they can afford a house. They can, you know, feed themselves. They, they aren't turning back to a life of crime because that's the easiest thing to be able to or the only, survive. Or the only, or the only thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And a lot of, a lot of prisons partner with private organizations, with trade schools and things like that to offer programs to inmates. And so I think taking away this uh, in South Carolina, specifically taking away this uh, denial based on previous criminal convictions, I think it will encourage businesses and trade schools and colleges to partner with prisons to provide those educational opportunities and training opportunities so that reentry is a little bit easier for these folks who have paid their debt and really want to come out and start a life and, and be productive members of society. Yeah. And, you know, anything we can do that'll make that transition easier um, is also, if we think about double jeopardy, right, as being against the basic constitutional law, right? 
if they've paid their debt to society by serving some type of prison sentence, then to be convicted again by not being able to work is double jeopardy. So they're alone. Like they're, it's just, it just makes perfect sense that you would make that um, easier for them, not yeah. harder. Yeah. And one of the points is rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. That's one of the goals of yeah, the system people away yeah. is to rehabilitate them and help them. Yeah. It's not just punishment. There was a story I found when I was preparing the notes for this, and I actually saved the article um, because this is going to lead us into a two-part uh, discussion around criminal justice reform. And But there was an article that I read when preparing for this show that was about a man who was in prison and he they had a partnership. The prison he was in it was in Alabama. They had a partnership with a trade school. And I can't remember what he was like trained in, but the classes he took through that partnership, he was actually able to come out of prison, apply to and be accepted by a college in Pennsylvania. And he was able to get his bachelor's degree. And then he was able to start a career. And that was the one thing he wanted to do when he got out of prison. He wanted to get a college degree and have a career. Yeah. And he was able to do that. Um, and so I thought that was a really neat story. I think it's a great story. And it, so here's the thing. It, it matters for long-term prosperity that people mm -hmm. are able to own their own labor, sell their own labor, make money off of that labor and be mm -hmm. able to use that money to provide for themselves. Yeah. So anything that we do as a society or as a government that prevents that from happening is suppressing people, right? It's keeping mm -hmm. them from being able to live their best life. And occupational licensing is just complicated. <clears throat> and needlessly so, because it's not as if we make as, as a community, those fees that people are paying $20, $30, $75, right? This is not a significant source of revenue for the state, right? So it's mm -hmm. not like they're using that revenue. I mean, they might be using the fines to fund some state functions, but I mean, these are, they're, they're, it's not for most of these licenses, it's not a high barrier to entry in terms of paying for them. It's just a matter of the fact that you have to, right? Even the idea that you have to go and ask the government to ask. But you're, you're going to correct me, Jessica. Are there some like pretty high ones? Well, you know, that there probably are. Um, but some of these occupations that are regulated are occupations that you see a lot um, in lower income communities. And so even if, if the cost of licensure is $150, that might be not very much to us, but to a single mom who needs that $150 to feed her children, it is a lot. And so yeah. it is a big barrier. Um, and I, I, I say that because the third bill House Bill 3515, which is in committee and my sources say is likely to die there. This is called the Entrepreneur Freedom Act. And this is actually a deregulation attempt and it removes the licensure requirement for several 
different occupations, um, all of which are listed in the show notes, as well as a link to this bill. Um, one of which is hair braiding practitioner. Did you know you have to be licensed to braid hair in the state of South Carolina? So that is, uh, that is the example that I use most often when we talk about occupational licensing, because it's the one I think people can grasp as the most absurd, right? Mm -hmm. um, because what this means, right? Let's say I live in a neighborhood um, in very rural, let's say Allendale. For those of you who are not from South Carolina, Allendale is in the middle of nowhere. It is forgotten by time. Okay. Um, so let's say I live in Allendale. People there, their day-to-day -day is pretty simple, right? They don't have a lot of industry there. There aren't a lot of jobs. They don't have a lot of um, commerce. There's no downtown. There's no town, period. If you want to go anywhere to get anything, I think the nearest place you go is probably Orangeburg, maybe. I don't know for sure, but it's, it's a ways, right? So let's say that my community, this, this community in Allendale has nobody to braid hair and I'm the best hair braider in town. Right. And I have the ability to do this. I have, you know, this skill and I can do it for the community for not a lot of money. Right. And I offer those services. Like I can be heavily fined or possibly imprisoned for doing that business, even though I'm offering a service that is, being voluntarily utilized by my community. It is a, a need of my community. For what reason? I'm braiding hair. <laughs> like This is so ridiculous. But you didn't ask permission, right? Hence our mother may yeah. I topic, you know, title here, yeah. because it, this really is about control. It's about yeah. having government control over individuals and over individuals uh, right to sell their own freedom. I mean, their own yeah. uh, labor rather. Yeah. So, you know, I've got two choices. I can operate illegally and run that risk of being punished, or I can go through all the steps, which, I mean, it's not just about filling out an application. You have to take a class. You have to fill out the application. You have to have tons of supporting documentation. Like there were several things. And I actually, I was telling Casey before we came on, I spent a little bit of time digging into this to try to figure out what the requirements were exactly. And it's so vague. It is so vague. So I mean, the yep. process itself to apply for this license, a normal person, especially somebody in a low income situation. I'm not spending that time know, to figure that out. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how they would figure all of this out. Like I, I had a hard time figuring it out. Like, and I have like resources and knowledge and experience, like somebody who's just like, oh, I can totally braid hair. I'm really good at it. Let me get a license to do that. There's no way. And they don't even tell you how much it is. Like you have to go through as best I could tell. You have to like go through the whole process of applying. And then at the end, they tell you how much the fees are going to be. So I couldn't even figure out how much it was going to be. Some of these other ones are interesting to me as well that we have in the list out in the show notes, like something like being a dietitian right? Mm -hmm. Or being a psychologist or being a counselor or a therapist, right? Um, having this licensure for 
marriage counselors and marriage therapists. I mean, um, if you are seeking assistance through your church and your pastor is having these marriage conversations with you or having these um, therapy conversations with you, the pastor, does he have to be licensed? Do you have to have a license to preach? in a church, right? To be a leader of an, of a congregation. Right. Um, and the other one that I thought was, I think is ridiculous is the auctioneer. I mean, how hard is it to be an auctioneer? Like why, why do yeah. we need a, a state license for this? Like some of these things to me are, I, I just, I don't, I guess I don't understand why we want to be all up in each other's business about this stuff. And I don't understand why the government feels like it needs to have visibility and transparency to all of that. Or if they, or that they demand it, they require it because it, it is enforceable, like you said, by fines, right? If you don't comply, then they are going to fine you for this. Um, but Melissa, yeah. you mentioned earlier, you think it has to do with taxation and they're having visibility to the fact that you are operating a business at all. Yes. If you have to have an occupational license, then they can check up and make sure you've got your business license and whatever requirements go along with that and make sure you're filing your quarterly taxes. And, you know, for someone who has a job on the side doing some construction stuff or braiding hair for who, I don't know. I can't figure out the taxes. And I'm really, yeah. like, math's my jam. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's convoluted and the requirements are ridiculous to try so and stay as a, on the legal side of things. So I teach entrepreneurship and I teach a bunch of um, like classes that are not necessarily at the university. So at the university, we have a specific curriculum and all this kind of thing, but I taught uh, through the Women's Business Center, a creative entrepreneurship class, and I teach a veterans entrepreneurship class. And the question of taxation always comes up, you know, when should I pay my taxes and how much do I need to pay in taxes? And my response is always, when you start making money, you can start worrying about paying your taxes, right? But if you're out there, and I know authors who are out there selling books, right? And they might sell 10 books a year, right? And they're selling them at $100 a piece. So they made $100 on these books that they sold. And you think you should be rendering unto the state of South Carolina some percentage oh, no, of that hundred books? You should be rendering unto them. Yeah, um, I mean, my response is always like, "Do not give to Caesar that which is not Caesar's, friends." Like, <laughs> I mean, he, they, they did nothing for you. They didn't. They had zero to do with yeah. your labor involved in putting together that book, writing that book. They did not take you out to the fairgrounds to sit there every Saturday in the hot sun and mm -hmm. try to schlep people into buying your self-published book, right? Like the state yeah. has done nothing to help you. There is absolutely no reason that you need to be. Um, and and I, I guess I feel that way too on things like the hair braiding and other things that are sometimes side hustle gigs mm -hmm. where people are just making a little extra money or it's a passion for them. They feel it's their art or their, their way of expressing themselves. Um, and I just... I get fired up when I start thinking about the state taking even the singlest yeah. dollar, right? So why should, th maybe there could be like a threshold, right? Where you go, okay, this is a legitimate business for you. We identify it as such. You've cleared $100,000 in revenue. You got to start paying some taxes, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, or $70,000 in revenue. But I mean, really, until this is a business that is turning the kind of revenue that you actually can now employ people, that you're using it to pay yourself and pay your own bills, you're not making enough money in these like auctioneer. Yeah. That is not a full-time job. Right? <laughs> like, you're not out there 
every day, 40 hours a week being an auctioneer. Like why in the world would you have to register with the state and pay your quarterly taxes as an, you know, so it just, it just, it's just gross government overreach. It's just overreach. It is. And, you know, again, this is all supposedly to protect the public Right. Because without the government, who would protect us from, you know, companies and people wanting to do business and those big bad capitalists. Right. Like, Who would do that? But the answer is we will. Right. Yeah. We will. I mean, the same people who did it before the government started requiring all of these things to be licensed. You hear yeah, it because- all the time. Like what the that word of mouth is the best form of advertising. There's a it's reason even, it's even easier now yeah. because of the internet, because we have right. access to that. If there's yes. a business that is operating and they are doing a terrible job, everybody, everybody knows. knows. Everybody right? knows. Don't, yeah. don't don't use that photographer, she will ruin your wedding, right? Agreement I had with Jess earlier. There was a time when maybe this was needed. But we have the internet now. Yeah. yeah. We don't need this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. And and even though because the argument that I hear is, well, what if what if somebody hires somebody and they don't know? It still happens now. My neighbor across the street moved here from Seattle, I think two years ago, and she hired a company, a local company, been around for ages not really known to do the best work. She just hired, hired them based on the quotes and interactions she had. She didn't ask me if she had told me, I would have told her definitely don't use them, pay a little more and get a better job. Right. But she didn't ask me and her house is jacked. Like it costs her almost twice as much because she had to fix a bunch of stuff. And so it's like complacent. The government will vet people for me. Yes. I don't but, need to do any due diligence on my right. own. Right. But now it's easier to do that right. than ever. So there's really yeah. no excuse. Just Google them. Yeah. yeah. There's no there's, reason. Not we to. think about the, um, the people are buying products off a website called Timo. Timo. Have you seen that? Oh God. Yes. And there's, we had a conversation yesterday yeah. with one of the women at Beef O'Brady's today told us she bought a bathing suit for a dollar 50. Right. Like, I'm sorry. I mean, I gotta agree with you. Ninety dollars for a bathing suit yeah. from Dillard's, but at the same time, like a dollar fifty, you think this is gonna be okay? And even my students are like, "Yeah, I'll wear it one time and throw it out because why bother? Yeah, why you don't even bother washing it? It's gonna fall yeah. apart, right?" But yeah. that's the kind of like we're already doing that. We're already taking our chances with online retailers yeah. who are selling us garbage over the internet. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I don't the I the argument that the government or the state has to protect us from from bad business people, I don't think holds up. Yeah, no, me either. And one of the other things that I always like to talk about um, when when I talk to people about this topic is the alternative of having private professional organizations handling these certifications rather than the state handling a licensure process, right? Because if you have a reputable organization that is doing these certifications and providing these continuing education opportunities, then to me, that's going to be far more valuable than 
a state licensing board checking a bunch of boxes and giving you a piece of paper and sending you a bill every year for the renewal, right? Yep. Like the, um, so I'm a paralegal by edu- like I'm educated to be a paralegal. That's not technically what I do, but um, we have an organization called the National Association of Legal Assistants, and they provide certifications for paralegals. And in recent years, we've seen um, an increase in states that are allowing for certified paralegals to do things like real estate closings. They're admitting them to the bar. They're letting certified paralegals do things that typically attorneys do. Um, And in the state of South Carolina, that's been something that has been discussed as well. And the requirement for that is a certification from the National Association of Legal Assistants because that industry holds that professional organization in such high regard that they value that certification, right? Um, well, other and, professions use that kind of certification too. Realtors. I mean, pediatricians, realtors. Yep. I mean, the AMA mm-hmm. is the American Medical Association yep. is who certifies doctors, right? So yep. you don't just come out of medical school and you're a doctor, right? Like you have to or go the Bar Association process. for Attorneys. The American Bar Association. So if these other professions rely on their, um, you know, usually it's a nonprofit. People pay in to be members of it, right? And then mm-hmm. you get all the benefits of membership to be part of this organization. And that organization says you're qualified to do this work based on, you know, what we've been able to see. The um, project management uh, professional, the PMP certification, you have to do continuing education hours. Every year you have to take like 10 hours worth of classes to keep your PMP license. Mm -hmm. And that's all done through a private organization, through that My mom is a medical coder in the the medical coding association. She's a PCP, whatever Mm -hmm. that stands for, I don't know. But she has PCP after her name. Yeah. Because professional coding people. I don't know what it stands for. But <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I, don't ex- I don't expect the auctioneers to get together and come up with like a yeah. auctioneer academy and like generate a whole auctioneer but there scenario probably here. probably is something that, that already but exists. But cosmetologies, you know, cosmetology could be done through a cosmetology organization. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be through the state. And hair braiding can be part of that, you know, th- part of that cosmetology organization. Or you could yeah. just let people braid hair because why not? Why? Well, yeah. you let people do it whether they have the certification or not. Yeah. And it's up to the customer if they care about the certification. If they want the credibility. To make sure they go to someone who has that certification. Yeah. yeah. Melissa, didn't you say that in your industry, a lot of your customers require certain certifications? Oh, yeah. I work I work in aerospace. So we have to be ISO certified, AS certified, DADCAP certified, because Boeing won't take our parts. Sikorsky mm-hmm. won't take our parts if we are not. Yeah. I'll tell you so what. It's, it's, ISO it's certification is no business. joke. No, it's not. I, we get ISO audited. certification is no joke. And maintaining Twice your ISO year. certification is that is a strict thing yeah Yeah. but that's not a government thing that's international standard of operations right that's for manufacturing so like why is it that the state felt like they had to you know climb all up in here and and develop their own additional licensure for some of these things i don't get it it's a money grab i mean that's all it is it's a money grab it's It's a it's a power grab Mm -hmm. that's all it is and i i think it's definitely goes back to wanting to see who's doing what in the state 
Yeah. And having your, you know, having visibility, do we have this many licensed whatever's right in the state um, yeah. practicing healthcare, practicing whatever. Right. Um, and it's yeah. people already in the industry pushing for government regulation to mm -hmm. keep out competitors, usually bigger mm -hmm. companies that yep. want to yeah. create a monopoly because that's part of what this does in a lot of ways. Things like this. Why I like the bill that um, our the last bill on this list, mm -hmm. which is the entrepreneur, the freedom of entrepreneurship, the one that's probably yeah. going to die in committee. Yeah. Um, because when we think about entrepreneurship as being the opportunity for people to build their own business, create their own way, run things in their own design, come on. then you are our, looking our, at innovation. Yeah. Our state's run by Republicans. They're all for small government and... <laughs> And yeah. free innovation and yeah. innovation and yeah. mm -hmm. and business people, right? Yeah. Our, this should be a no-brainer for the Republicans in our state. I yeah. don't know why this would stall. Well, and and when it <laughs> when I keep it, a straight face, <laughs> you looked pretty good at it. You looked yeah. pretty, like you, okay. you did a good job. It. You did a good job. But I mean, so when we think about how this relates to parenting, because yes. we do want to bring it back to parenting, right? Um, so we talk a lot about raising our kids to be able to think for themselves, to be self-reliant, to be productive members of society. We want to encourage them to go their own way, right? And be independent. So let's say, for example, my teenage son is a very handy, is a very handy young man. He truly is very handy young man. But let's say for the sake of conversation, we have a neighbor who has, an, let's say an elderly neighbor, neighbor who has a list of home repairs that they need done. They're not major repairs. It's very simple repairs. It's all stuff he can do very easily. And he can do it for a lot cheaper than a handyman or, you know, a contractor could do. And so they look at the job and it's something that most contractors, let's say the total would be somewhere between ten dollars and $15,000 just for the sake of conversation. And my son looks at it and, you know, he's a teenager. His labor is not quite worth as much as somebody who's been in this business for a really long time, right? And he recognizes that. So they add up materials and all of that. And let's say he says, okay. I can do this job for you for $6,000. That'll cover my labor and it'll cover the materials, right? My son would need a general contractor's license to do this job because it's more than $5,000. Yeah. Based on what I've read, my son would need a general contractor's license. He's helping an elderly neighbor, providing this work for her at a discounted price. She's on a fixed income. She's willing to hire him. He's willing to accept the job for what she's able to pay. And he, but, but he would not be able to do that for her because he would have to have this license. And she, and she knows going into this, he doesn't have a general. He, he doesn't. Like, yeah. He doesn't have any sort of mm -hmm. business insurance. Yeah. And if she goes in, if she knows that up front and still wants to proceed, Who's the state to tell her, no, yeah. that's not in your best interest. Spend three times as much for someone who has insurance and a license. Yeah. yeah. 
there's um so something to be said for the protection that he would have if he did have a general contractor's license um if things went badly and she got mad and sued him um but even people who have this licensure are not protected by the state no that's not a protection at work. all so you know we th we think of licensure as being the thing that says it's certified it's credentials right like this person knows what they're doing mm -hmm. but when they don't when they come over and they and they they might be certified but they come over and they muck it all up it's not as if they're protected by that licensure it's not like it keeps them from being sued you can still sue them right you can still withhold yeah. payment and things like that take them to small claims court and that kind of thing so it doesn't really protect anybody it doesn't frankly, protect anybody it just gets and, in the way and the government will give a license to anybody who can pay the who can navigate the paperwork and pay the fee mm -hmm. if you're using a private entity like the real like servers or whatever, ISO, if mm -hmm. you're using a private entity, then they can offer guarantees as a condition of membership and they're more selective about who they let join because mm -hmm. it's more than just, I filled out paperwork, I paid the price. Well, it's their reputation. They require a level of competence it's and their back reputation. that up with their it's name. Not everybody else in the bar right it's yeah. everybody else in the ama right so you don't want to just go around giving away these licensures if you're a mm -hmm. professional organization because it's your mm -hmm. reputation that's right on. but the state doesn't have that problem no. people don't hold the state responsible if a licensed contractor mucks things up it's no different yeah it's no filing a complaint against someone's license like let's use the general contractor for example because my neighbor's doing that right now too um, and, and it's been just filing a complaint Fine. against them yep. has been a, a whole situation. Um, nightmare, I'm sure. I mean, it is, but it's just like the better business bureau. Mm -hmm. Like it, it does nothing. It does absolutely nothing. It's an inconvenience basically yeah. is, is what it's a nuisance. Um, and I mean, best case scenario for the consumer, worst case scenario for the license professional is that that license gets taken away. But if they're that shady, they're probably going to operate without a license. Anyway. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. So, and another or, good, good uh, side of side effect of having private companies do the certification and whatnot, say the real national association of realtors gets super draconian out of control with their fees, out of control with the requirements. Somebody Everything can start a new organization. Them. You start a new organization mm -hmm. and you convince people in your industry that your certification is worth more than the other certification. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's no, and there's competition and the best process, the best certification will win. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. no competing with the state. My husband and I had that exact conversation because he's a landscape architect, which is on the list of professions to be deregulated in that house bill. Um, and we had the exact same conversation because he was like, well, who's going to do it? And I was like, well, what about the South Carolina chapter of the American Society of Landscape Architects? I mean, you guys already provide continuing education for landscape architects. 
why not have a certification process? You just build out a certification board within your organization. He was like, well, when you have an organization like that, what happens when they start hiking up their fees and it's too expensive to be certified? I was like, then somebody else start starts a new one. organization. <laughs> it's innovation. It's yeah, yeah, it's just like it's free market. It's free yeah. markets. Yeah. Free markets. Yeah. We came back around to free markets. We got Amazon and then someone will replace Amazon with something. Same yeah. way with licensure. Yeah. It always know, works. Associations. Yep. Yeah. My students so, who all think Amazon is just like by and large from uh from Wally. -E. And so they're all like, they're gonna drive us to total destruction. And I'm like, no. just stop using them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They'll get there. Something will come Somebody along. will come along and we'll they'll replace get so Amazon big too. they can't adapt yeah. to the marketplace mm -hmm. and they'll go out of business just like everyone. They'll overplay else. their hand. Yep. Yeah. They'll overplay their yeah. hand the way Kmart did, you know, the way Walmart is kind of doing right now. Mm -hmm. Like you'll see it. Theaters, they'll they'll yeah. overplay their hand. Mm -hmm. So everyone living in South Carolina, contact <laughs> your representatives and let them know that you want them to support these bills. Um because economic freedom for all people is of vital importance to the economic prosperity of our communities. Yes. All right. Occupational licensing was part one of our criminal justice reform series. So tune back in next Saturday for the Libertarian Moms when we take on part two. Uh, and you can get all the show notes out on the blog, parentingporcupines.com. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.